and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, Zoe Blasky. This episode I think you're going to love. It's with Julie Montague, aka the Flexi Foodie. Julie is one of London's top yoga teachers. She's a nutritionist. She's got three best-selling cookbooks and she's a well-being expert. She was recently named one of the top 10 holistic health icons in the world and she's got four kids. So chatting to Julie was just wonderful in terms of her insights about how she got into yoga and well-being. My husband basically drew the line and said, that is it. You're going to take at least three months off and three months actually turned into a year because I then made that decision because I was like, oh my gosh, I need a break. And yoga, I just wanted to do yoga every single day. Self-care for really busy mums and how she's managed to make healthy eating a core part of her family. We grew up, everything processed and packaged, and for ease, now all of a sudden we're like, we need to slow down and we need to use those foods to energize us, to heal us, to cure us. And before we get into the episode, I just want to thank you for downloading this podcast, for continuing to support Motherkind. I know how busy life is as a mum and even finding half an hour to listen to a podcast can be challenging. So I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am for all your support. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And here is the episode with Julie and I hope you enjoy. If you did, please do leave a comment on Instagram, on iTunes or on the website motherkind.co. Here it is. Julie, welcome to the Motherkind podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Well, I've followed you for years. So to be sat here chatting to you about my two favorite things, well-being and motherhood, <laughs> it's a bit of a yes. dream come true. Yes, I do have experience in motherhood. That is for sure. <laughs> Many children. Yes. So you've got four? Yes. Four kids. I can't believe it. And how old are they? So my eldest girl is 19 and she's at University of Edinburgh. And then I have a 16 and a half year old boy, a 13 year old boy, and an 11 year old boy. So my household is now filled with all boys. I've lost my daughter. You've lost, you've lost <laughs> that feminine energy. I have, I have. It's been really a challenge. That's going to be my next journey is challenging the male energy. Mm, yes, exactly. And how old were they when you got into yoga and nutrition and well-being? It's kind of two parts really with my journey. After my fourth was born, I was still working. And this is a true story. And my husband still reminds me of it on a yearly basis, so not too much. But what happened was my fourth was born at Chelsea Westminster Hospital. His due date was October 17th, and I was still working all the way up. And I thought, there's no way he's going to be born on October 17th because only 2% of births are born on their due date. So I planned this huge meeting, believe it or not, I can say it doesn't matter, with Discovery Channel, and I was trying to win this account. And I planned it on October 17th because I thought either I'll have the baby before and I can do it (laughs) or I'll have it after. And sure enough, at 12 minutes past 12 on October 17th, I had Nestor after an hour of labor. That was it. Two things, and Nestor doesn't mind if I say this, Nestor's my youngest, is A, I was hoping for a girl, so I would balance it out. So I was in this emotional, crazy state, like how could they have just given me three boys in a row? And secondly, I became slightly crazy because I thought, oh my God, I have a 9 a.m. meeting in nine hours that I need to make. So I was texting people that night telling them don't cancel the meeting, that I'm gonna have the pediatrician come at Chelsea Westminster at seven in the morning to check me out and that I would make it to the meeting. 
without telling my husband that I was doing all of this. So people started calling my husband and saying, your wife is telling us that she's going to make the meeting. We don't know what to do. And my husband was like, you are insane. You just gave birth. So anyway, we had to reschedule this meeting, obviously. But I got home within 24 hours and I didn't reschedule any of my meetings that week. And true story, I would breastfeed my baby, get into a taxi from Clapham, go into Soho, wouldn't tell anybody I just had a baby. This is within a week because my babies are always really small. So I could just put on a big jumper and no one could tell. Go and have the meeting. I had two meetings that week where I did the exact same thing. Didn't tell them that I just had a baby. And then I would basically get in a taxi back home. My breasts were dying because they needed to be released. I'd come home, my mother was there and Nestor would be crying and it'd be the perfect time I'd have to feed him. And I did this within a week, not telling people that I just had a baby like two days beforehand. Well, my husband found out about that. <laughs> so, cause I did it during the day and he was like, you need to take a break. I'm stopping everything. And he basically wrote emails to everybody I was working with saying, she's going on maternity leave. This is insane. So that was number one. And I think after that, I had no choice. And I was mad at my husband for doing that. I'm not gonna lie. I was really mad at him for doing that, for forcing me, but it was the best thing that could ever happen. And I ended up taking the whole year off. And that is when I really got into yoga. So that's where it started. What was driving you then with that whole, don't start, going to get the meeting? What was it in you that was... What I think it was, Zoe, is I had my kids really young. So I looked at all my friends and they weren't having kids yet. And they were basically in the midst of this glorious career. And so I felt that I was losing out and I needed to keep up with my friends who are my exact same age. Because I had my last one. I had my last child at 33. Right. Most of my friends weren't even married by then, right? So I had my last child at 33, Nestor. I felt this thing that if I let go of my career, they're all gonna get ahead of me and I'm never gonna get back to where I needed to go. I wanted to have the best of both. And I didn't understand why I couldn't have it. Am I gonna get punished for having all these kids and my friends are gonna have this wonderful career and then I lose out because I've decided to have kids? And it was a real struggle with me. And it wasn't until that moment happened where I was pretty much not telling my husband that I was going on these meetings that my husband basically drew the line and said, that is it, you are done. You're done working and you're gonna take at least three months off and three months actually turned into a year because I then made that decision to take it into a year because I was like, oh my gosh, I need a break. And yoga, I just wanted to do yoga every single day. It's amazing. I mean, it's almost like an intervention that you sort of stayed mm -hmm. with you, isn't it? Sounds like it. Yeah. And it's just so interesting to me that when you stopped, you've now found this path and you yeah. are you know, hugely successful. Did you ever yes. think you'd be here? I read you were like top Never. health holistic icon in the world. Or yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I know I read that stuff. I'm like, what? Who writes this stuff? How do they know who I just own it? I know, I know exactly. <laughs> but it's, you know, I never planned it. I just found something that I loved and I found something that made me feel really good. You know, that's where the story sort of transpires into something else because then Nestor was born in 2006 and in January through the day, January 4th, 2009. So basically roughly about two and a half years later, my husband, he was on pharmaceutical drugs and he had been on them for years because of a sinus operation. He went in for a sinus operation, came out feeling very, very strange. 
and then was put on anti-anxiety pills and then put on sleeping pills because with anti-anxiety pills, you can't sleep. So then he was put on clomazepam. But I had known this, you know, he had been on these drugs the entire time I had known my husband. It was just a thing. And I think for me, being the American, I know so many people in America who are on these drugs. It's a normal thing. So I never really thought twice about it. I just thought, okay, well, he's on these drugs, just like everybody I know in America is on these drugs. It's no big deal. Nine years ago, people were writing stories about the damaging effects of these pharmaceutical drugs. Because if you really think about it, yeah, we're in this internet world, but we get more information every second of every day. So it really wasn't until then that he started researching online about benzodiazepines and SSRIs that he was like, what? What are these drugs doing to me? And that's when he decided to go off them. And that's really when another harrowing journey of ours began and he was cold turkeyed off of these drugs, which he should have never been cold turkeyed off. Because again, the doctors don't even know about the damaging effects of these drugs. I think they're now starting to 10 years later, but no one knew and they were like, yeah, we'll just take you off them. We'll stick you on a barbiturate for three days and then you'll be totally fine. And that was really the beginning of what could have been a really tragic end to my husband and really to our family. And so when that happened, he then became incredibly sick. He went through a horrendous withdrawal of the drugs. They say coming off of pharmaceutical drugs like those are worse than coming off of heroin or cocaine. He was homebound for three years, barely left the house, and I became a caretaker to him. And at that time, I had a two-and-a-half-year-old, a four-and-a-half-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old. Had I not had yoga in my life, I, I don't even want to imagine what would have happened. So yeah, it was quite harrowing. It's an unbelievable story. You know, I think about my life with just one and how much I struggle to fit in. And that's why I find you just so inspirational that you not only survived through that, but used it as a way to deepen your relationship with yourself and thrive through it. Yeah. What was it with the yoga that it gave you through that time? Do you know, what it gave me is the days that I didn't go and do a yoga class were the days that I was really unhappy. I was definitely angry. I felt bouts of resentment towards my husband. I didn't really like my kids and it became a groundhog day. But then the days that I would go to yoga, I would open up the door to the house and I'd be like, okay, I can take this all on. I can take this all on because I just took care of myself. So once I started realizing like, okay, Julie, you feel so much better about yourself when you take care of yourself first. And I tried to explain this to my husband and my kids. And the more I explained it to them, I think the more that they saw it, the days that I didn't go to yoga, I was like not a nice mother. <laughs> so, And the days that I did go to yoga, I like really liked them. So they're like, okay, go to yoga. I remember William telling me this, and I don't know if he remembers it now because he was quite young, but he would look at me if I would shout at him or whatever. He'd be like, clearly you didn't go to yoga today. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he was right. And I'd be like, oh my God, they're seeing it. So they saw how different I was so that they basically accepted the fact that I needed yoga in my life. And in fact, they really wanted me to go to that. They really encouraged me going to yoga. And through really yoga back then, if you think about that, that was nine years ago. When I would go to my yoga class, and this is really how the healthy stuff happened. If you think about it, it's just only a decade ago. I was going to yoga classes in Clapham and 
everybody there would be like, oh my God, have you heard about this new thing called quinoa, right? And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm gonna buy that. Or chia seeds. Chris Carr has this great quote and she says, it's before Kale had a publicist. Remember Kale? No one knew about Kale until it got its whole PR machine behind it. And it's a great quote from Chris Carr. And she's right about that. And so I was really discovering these foods and then I thought, wait a minute, if yoga can make me feel good and all these foods apparently have these, you know, massive amounts of nutrition that we're not feeding ourselves anymore because we've become a society of processed and packaged foods, I wanted to learn more and I thought it could help my husband and me and my four kids. And that's when I decided to then go and take an online course on nutrition. And again, that was life-changing for me, totally life-changing. It's amazing, isn't it? I remember the time when it sounds so obvious now, but about five years ago, I had the same sort of awakening around food. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I never thought what I was putting in my mouth impacted my mood, yep. my energy. I was so unconscious about the whole thing. And I remember that moment where I was like, oh my God, what I eat impacts how I feel, yes. impacts how anxious I feel, how energized I feel. And it sounds so even obvious, doesn't it? But yeah. I just wasn't there. I didn't know. Totally. Well, in my generation when I was younger, and I assume probably with our parents, that was when it was all processed and packaged foods. It was like, and look at this, you can make this meal in your microwave in five minutes. And mothers were like, this is great. Everything's processed, packaged, and super easy. And we just have to heat it up, right? And we get these delicious meals because that's how they were sold to it. And so we grew up, everything processed and packaged and for ease and sticking it in our mouth. Now, all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, we need to slow down and we need to look at the foods that we're putting in our mouth and look at how we're basically gonna use those foods to energize us, to heal us, to cure us. Well, I was the same, like, I grew up, my mum was actually a cook growing up, but she was of the low fat era. Right, So she right. was like those, spray cow, one cow, <gasps> cook everything in the spray right. thing. Yeah, but it's the education thing. She just yeah, didn't yeah. know. Yeah, no, no, they didn't know. They didn't know because no. they were being sold something else. They were being sold convenience and something super fast. How so, do you do it then? Are you one of those like Sunday evening cook up people and then you do the meals for the week or how do you fit it all in? Do you know, basically my husband, I have to say, is a huge part now in eating and making sure that what the kids get fed is whole foods, and we know where the foods come from. For us, that's like a big thing. And so basically, my husband's away from Tuesday to Friday. For me, that's when I get to come home and I get to cook for the kids. So I cook everything from scratch, but I'm looking for those quick meals that are like 20 minute fast meals, and they're easy to make. So Tuesday to Friday, we are basically vegan slash vegetarian. So my kids have no choice, <laughs> but they don't mind it because I think they're so used to me cooking vegan and vegetarian. And then my husband and three out of four of my kids do eat meat. So when he comes back on a Friday night, he then likes to cook as well. So he will cook meat or fish or whatever for three out of those four kids. And then I end up still cooking vegan for the other one. We could never buy something that we would just heat up. Everything has to be made from scratch, but there's so many amazing recipes out there now that you can just make in 20 minutes. And my whole thing is like basically five ingredients and that's all you really need. Five ingredients, maybe six. Well, and you've got an amazing book that I have. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which is all healthy, plant-based, yeah. packed 
it's full of nutrition, but you can do it in 20 minutes. Yeah. I think that's so important for busy mums. Like, I do that thing where, you know, Jessie has LT at five. I want to be one of those mums where I've planned it and it's ready, but in the first. No, 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 exactly. So I'll get in at, yeah. like, half four and I'm like, oh, what am I going to make? I'm used now to whipping up something you know exactly and, and it's just getting in that mindset and having the ingredients and having the stuff in the cupboards yep, that's all it is I'm the same way with you I think let's be realistic I think you know the majority of mothers were so busy that planning meals is you're like so as long as you've stocked your cupboards yeah. with all things good you can just take a look at them and if you've got an aubergine at home you know you can look online quickly and be like I need an aubergine dish five ingredients and then something will pop up. That's the amazing thing about the internet. You can just find so many recipes online. I do a lot of that. And then yeah. tomatoes are my friend. I'm always making like some sort of tomato-based sauce Perfect. thing. Yeah, Pasta, yeah. Pasta, yeah. I'm like, there we go, done. Yeah, exactly. Talking about busy mums, you've got a new book coming out about yes. self-care. Yes. I'm very excited about Yes, I'm very excited. Can you share some tips then? So frazzled mum... I think most mums sort of are getting now this concept that we need to nourish ourselves in order to nourish our families. But how do you fit it in? And what are your tips for mums trying to fit that into their day? So the book is called Recharge and it's a year of self-care to focus on you. And because I'm not a believer of like, hey, here's a two-week fix of your self-care. This is like a year, if we think about it now, is actually short. You know, we're now coming up to basically the holidays. And I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't it just 2017 yesterday? So it's a year of that you can really focus on yourself. And within the book, there's a lot of homework, as I like to call it, but like homework of journaling and working on yourself. It's creating a habit. So my whole view is it's all about taking those 28 days. I mean, studies have shown over and over again that it takes 28 days to create a healthy habit and 28 days to get rid of a bad one. And what that means is you need to abstain from that bad habit for 28 days and you need to do that good habit for 28 days. That's the difference. So say you want to incorporate meditation into your life. My book isn't about, okay, so one day we're just going to meditate. It's about, okay, so these are my meditation tips, and I need to meditate every single day. And then it becomes a habit, and it becomes something that you can't live without. The book is basically a month-by-month self-care Bible where the first month is about emotional eating and basically the habits that we can put into place that will help us to stop that emotional eating, and it's something you do every single day. Then by the time you finish that month, you basically mastered emotional eating. And then the second month is all about managing stress. And it's about putting in different habits that have been shown that will help you to manage that stress. And you do those habits every single day for 28 days. And then the third month is all about digitally detoxing. So a really good example on digital detox, and especially for mothers who have those kids who, and I have them as well, iPads and Xboxes and iPhones. You know, one of the habits that, I put in there is every single night when you have, you know, you're cooking tea for your children or say you do eat together as a whole family because your kids are old enough, you basically phone stack. So you stack your phones and they can be there on the table, but the first person to grab the phone has to like clear up afterwards or clean out the dishwasher or load the dishwasher. And it really works. And you can incorporate that even when you go out to dinner with your friends 
Because you know how friends will be like, oh yeah, I gotta, whatever, I'm gonna leave my phone on. And if somebody really needed to get a hold of them, they could ring them. But half the time we're looking at our phones, we're looking at text messages that are meaningless. So it's stacking your phones and the first person to grab it has to buy everybody their dessert or whatever it is. So it's just one of those habits. And then it moves on each month, builds on the each month so that by the last month, you get to how to create your own happiness and you use all of these tips together. So it all kind of comes together, but it's about spending that month working on yourself and developing those habits. I love that. And do you know what I really love about that is that a lot of this stuff at the start is really hard. Yeah. And I speak to so many people and I'm like, you know, stressed, anxious, like you try meditation too hard, tried it because what I found when I started meditating is all that stuff that I was trying to ignore came up. Yeah. And it would be so easy in that moment to just go, don't like it, because it's challenging, yeah. isn't it? It's really hard, because we're emotional eating for a reason. Yeah. So when we stop it, it's almost like facing what's the reality. And I think you've got to be ready for that stuff. Exactly, well, exactly, you? totally. So it's baby steps, as I like to say. It's baby steps, but trying to do that baby step every single day. That's yeah. the whole point. I think what's so good about that 28-day practice as well is I read somewhere that only 2% of people finish a book they buy. Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? Unbelievable. Yeah. But I sort of get that because I think you get this enthusiasm and then you're like, yes, sir, I love it. And then you sort of like, you know, onto the next. Or, yeah. So I love that you've given like a 12-month yeah. structure. Yeah. By the end of the year, you have all these incredible habits that you've basically formed and they've become a daily part of your life and they're not difficult. It's not like I'm saying in there, hey, go to yoga class 60 minutes every single day. Each habit that I've put into the book is 10 minutes or less. I think that's really important because you know yeah. it can be an excuse, let's face it, but yeah. I think when you have got children there is that massive time compression. I mean I've really felt oh it. My it's gosh. really yeah hard and I'm like a you know twice a day meditator it's my absolute yeah, practice so yeah I, I go mad like you were saying about the yoga thing where's the notices if I haven't meditated yeah I'm crazy yeah yeah but, yeah but you know it's really hard to find the time it sometimes is with toddlers you know I've got toddlers. yeah so you have a toddler. See, for me it's so funny how life changes because I remember being in that stage now that my kids are older for me, people will say to me, oh my gosh, so I texted you and you never texted me back. And I'll be like, you did? Because my children basically take up my whole text message feed. I get so many text messages from my kids every single day. Did you remember this? Can you get me this? Mommy, I need this. Even my daughter at University of Edinburgh texted me the other day, like 15 texts because she got a job there and she needed this. And where can I find it? Can I help her order? I mean, all this stuff. And it's like, Basically a PA. Yeah, I'm pretty much a PA for all four I'm of my kids. I'm a climbing exactly. right now. She's basically <laughs> on me. Yeah, like, exactly. trying to just, okay, you're on me. Uh, yes, okay, I, I love just, that. Just, yes, you know. and then you'll morph into probably a taxi driver. Yeah. And then you morph into a PA. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah good yeah. times ahead. Yes, exactly. So then looking back at that stage that I'm at now, and a lot of my audience are, what would you say to yourself and to those mums who are in that real intense early motherhood? Listen, I was there because I started so young and a lot of my friends now who have, you know, four and six year olds. And it's so funny because I hear them screaming at their kids. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember screaming at my kids, too. And it's about taking that step back. And you're not being selfish. It's self-care. You know, Dr. Andrew Weil put it perfectly. And he was having a podcast similar to this with Larry King. And what he said, and I use this in my yoga class a lot. And so this is really for all mothers out there. 
and really think about this. So the analogy he used was your heart. When your heart pauses, you've got a pause and then a beat, and then a pause and a beat. But the heart cannot beat and basically feed the rest of your body with the blood if it doesn't pause and feed itself first. So when the heart pauses, it's pumping blood into itself first. It's taking care of itself first so that when it beats out, it can take care of your entire body. And so the heart is a really good example of we need to take care of ourselves first so that we are better able to take care of our young children, of our spouses, of our family. And it's a really good example of every time you hear your heartbeat as a reminder of, I have got to at least once throughout my day, take care of myself first and do exactly what my heart is doing so it can take care of me so that I can take care of my kids. That's beautiful. Yeah. And something that I do is even put my hand on my heart sometimes. Yeah. So that could be like a really nice reminder, just yes. hand to heart. Yes. Beating heart. Beating heart. A minute and of conscious breathing, whatever it is, self-care. Totally. Do you know what I'm really passionate about with this whole stuff as well is with a daughter particularly, you know, I feel like the amount that I do self-care or meditation, I'm modelling to her. Because my mum didn't mm-hmm. do it. My mum, yeah. bless her heart, she was an incredible mum, but she sort of forgot herself through her yeah. motherhood journey. I've had to learn all this. That wasn't modelled to me. Right. So I feel like I'm actually really showing Jessie how important it is that I look after myself and what that looks totally. like. And I'm teaching her this yeah. stuff. You're yeah. leading by example. Listen, my kids are older now and they see how important yoga is to me. They actually see how important healthy eating is. My 16-year-old, Jack, is a perfect example. He hasn't had a soda in like when I started my healthy journey, like 10 years ago. And he will go to birthday parties or he'll be with his mates. All he drinks is water. Because if he were to even taste that now, he'd be like, gross, that's disgusting. But none of my kids drink soda. They would never, ever say yes at a birthday party. Not because so much, we never had it in our house, but they know that it's bad for them, but their taste buds have gone off it. So then if they were to taste it, they're like, oh God, that's way too sugary, right? But I love using Jack as an example for that because I can't even remember the last time that child has had a soda. It's brilliant. It makes me, I always tell him, like, it makes me so happy, Jack. (laughs) You always just ask for water. It makes me so happy. When I reset my body and, you know, it doesn't feel good. And I think that's what I use my barometer and what I try and say with mother kind is don't listen to what I'm saying. Just try it. Yeah. You know, it will start to feel really good. Yeah. And then it's like, well, hang on a minute. Why would I make a choice? And Jack's probably like, why would I have a coat when I know I'm going to go buzzy? My head's going to go light. Yeah, I don't feel good. I'm going to feel weird. Yeah. I'd rather just have a woosie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know. It's brilliant. So it's one of my proudest defining motherhood moments. Good (laughs) on Jack. Exactly. (laughs) So something that I ask at the end of every interview is if you could give one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would you give and why? I would say if I could give a gift, it would definitely be energy right there because I know how tiresome and exhausting motherhood is. So I can give this gift to all the mothers, but the point is is that the mothers can give this gift of energy to themselves if they start to feed themselves well, if they start to take those 10 minutes out a day and have that self-care, if they incorporate small bits of breathing or if they incorporate that meditation, whatever it is, but it's that self-care. You can energize yourself very, very easily by simply looking after yourself and doing exactly what the heart is. So I give the gift of energy, but I hope that everybody who listens to this knows that they can give themselves the gift of energy if they just start to incorporate those small moments of self-care into their daily life. 
I think that's amazing. And you are a real example of that. Your energy is just thank you. boundless. And I'm <laughs> so grateful to no, you. No, thank you, thank you. This, this was morning. great. It's been brilliant. So, Julie, thank you thank very you, much. Thank you.